past. She pastors in Seattle, in Linwood, right, in Linwood. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about this morning about what I want to say about this woman. And what I want to say is we both follow in the footsteps of the same person, and that is our grandfather who was a, a Baptist pastor uh, in Washington and, and all over the place. And I think he would be supremely proud and happy uh, today to uh, be here with us and to welcome Erica Cox to the stage. She is a pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church. Come on up, Erica. And let's give her a hand. She's also my cousin, so you have that too. Yeah, you got to push a button. Is it on? Oh. There you go. You're good. All right, so let's hear from her this morning. Stephen, he's up here talking about Papa. You know, have me crying before I preach. Shoot, thank you. Um, in fact, I was um, thinking about mentioning that when I started, so <laughs> thank you for giving me a few extra seconds. Um, I am so happy to be here. I am so happy to be here. I don't even, um, I know a few, I feel like I know a few of you now, but it has been already, I have felt welcomed and loved. Um, and I think just like Stephen prayed at the end of that time of prayer, um, I absolutely feel the spirit moving in that yes, that, that God is saying yes to you. Um, I don't know exactly what that means for each one of you, um, but that is true. And that is, that is what I love about what I get to talk to you about this morning, is that this passage that we're going to talk about um, is Paul reminding the Colossians of that yes, that they already got it. So I'm going to read the passage, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. Um, and I'll just give you a heads up right now. Um, I preach a little differently than Stephen does. Uh, I've listened to some of his sermons, and I love his preaching, and... Um, I do a little differently, so um, I hope you'll just come along with me. And uh, one of the things that I love about being a pastor is that um, I get to not just offer you a word, but I get to invite you into what God is doing in me. Because it never feels when I'm prepping for a sermon, I either I know the scripture or God puts a scripture on my heart, and I'm like, okay, I would love I would love to share that with your people. Okay, what do you want to say to your people? And then I get partway through the prep process, and I'm like, oh. That was for me. <laughs> and then I have to sit with the fact that God actually wanted to teach me something. Um, never fails every time. So, um, so I'm excited to invite you in. Um, but let's take a look at the text and start there. Colossians chapter 1. Um, I'll read verses 1 and 2 as well. Um, they're the intro. And then starting at verse 3, it'll be up on the screen for you. Colossians chapter 1. And I'm reading in the NIV translation. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring up from the hope 
stored up for you in heaven, and which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will throughout, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. May God bless the reading of God's word. Amen. Um, Stephen didn't mention this part, but the way that we are related is that his mom and my dad are siblings. They're the youngest two of our grandfather and grandmother's children. And um, growing up, I got to be the daughter of, of fun Uncle Mark. And I think Stephen will attest to this. My dad, who is also a pastor, um, is also a bit of a adventure seeker if you will. I don't say thrill seeker because he doesn't like the whole like life in danger, you know, on the edge, but he really likes excitement. Um, He has a lot of energy. And so once he started having nieces and nephews, he was like, oh, wonderful. I will just offer all of that to them. Um, Case in point, I think, what were you, 10? When he bought Stephen and Stephen's brother blow dart guns. With real darts, like dangerous, and it caused a significant ruckus at our family gathering and mild fighting between the siblings and parents. It was a great time. But that's my dad. No one was surprised. No one was surprised. Um, And one of the things, thankfully, also no eyes were lost. One of the memories that I have of that part of my dad was when we were growing up, um, we had this big, huge backyard, probably about an acre, and the, the part closest to the house was all grass, and then the back half was all dirt. It was just dirt. And so my dad, of course, he built us a play set, but he also, like, trucked in truckloads of dirt and just dumped it. And so we had, like, hills. We would ride our bike o- bikes over, things like that. And he also built us an enormous fire pit. Big one, like you could, I don't, you could fit a lot of people around that fire pit, you know, and the rocks surrounding it were like this big. Um, and, and so we would have, when the weather was nice, we would have these fires. And what my dad loved to do with the fires, I will paint a picture, huge fire pit. We get all the wood, we gather it up, right? It's all ready, we're excited. Dad pulls out his gas can and pours gasoline 
all over, douses it, keeps pouring, walks to the other side of the property, to the fence, probably, I'm going to go with at least 30 yards, like long way, puts the gas can away, lights the end of that gasoline trail, and then, of course, the fire follows it, and then the whole fire pit explodes into flame. We thought that was the best thing ever, naturally. But at one point, a different uncle from the other side was visiting with our cousins, and he said, you know, Mark, you probably wouldn't do that if you had boys, because it was all girls. So because my dad had all girls, we got to see him do all these things that he might not have wanted to teach little boys about. But I had almost, I had, I had put that memory kind of in the back of my mind. I hadn't really thought about it in years. And then I was um, in conversation with our pastoral staff up at my church, Renew. There are four of us. We were talking about what we were going to preach about next, our series. Um, and we settled on um, the series that's actually starting today. So the pastors back at my church are preaching it today. It's a series called Fuego. We have um, two of our pastors on staff. Our Spanish is their first language. Fuego means fire. And so we are starting this month of preaching about what does kingdom life, what does it look like when it is empowered and lived out by the Holy Spirit? The fire of the Holy Spirit. So that's the month at my church. So that got me thinking, and of course I'm thinking fire, and so like that brought up that memory, right? And I was like, oh, what a cool example of Holy Spirit fire, right? Is, is that... that fire pit blowing up, bursting into flames, so hot you can barely get near it, and we're playing around trying to keep the little fires going on the gas trail. Who knows what we were kids. So I'm thinking about that and thinking about what God wanted me to bring to you this morning, to us, because this is definitely for me as well. And so I'm, I'm processing that, and at first I was thinking, oh, that's so cool. And then, and then I had a pause, and I was like, but wait. That's not what it's felt like in me for a little bit. That's not what this season feels like. I don't, I don't feel like there's this raging gas fire when I think about the Holy Spirit in my life right now. And so I had to pause and I had to consider, okay, God, why, did, why is this what you're offering me if, if I don't resonate with that image right now in this season? And I think that happens that's life. We're human. It's hard to keep a raging gas fire going. So in the process also, I, I had a meeting with my spiritual director. This is, this is me invited, giving you the context, right? So that's why this intro is taking, taking me a little bit. But I'm meeting with my spiritual director. And whenever we start spiritual directing, we spend um, time in silent prayer at the beginning. We just, we're still and we um, open ourselves and the space up to whatever God wants to move. And then um, when I'm finished praying, I say amen. And then we talk about what God has, has brought to that space. So, I, so I'm, I'm processing this sermon prep and I go into the spiritual direction meeting. And we're praying. Mary's sitting next to me. She's got these wonderful wingback chairs and my feet are up and her cat's right there. Oh, it's lovely. So we're praying, silent, silently praying. And I was trying so hard to listen. I was trying to listen faithfully, hear what God wanted me to hear so that we could, so I could process with Mary so that, so that I could be moved the way the Holy Spirit would move in me. So I'm being still and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I'm probably trying too hard. So then I'm like, okay, just, just be still. 
And I was still. And for, it had to have been a solid five to ten minutes, which maybe doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're just sitting in two wingback chairs next to a person and you're supposed to talk afterwards, it feels like a really long time. So I just said, amen. I said, Mary, I got nothing. I don't know what God is, I don't know what we're supposed to talk about today. I said, did you, did he tell you something? Because that would be nice. Um, Because that was wonderful, and I do feel life-given from being still in God's presence. But I got nothing. And she said, oh, that's interesting. She has this very sweet, sweet way of engaging with me when I'm frustrated. She said, oh, that's interesting because what I kept hearing over and over was that what about when God doesn't show up the way we want him to? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. I think that gas fire I've been racing after is a little bit closer to hot coals right now. And I've been wanting that gas fire because that's the exciting thing, right? That's what's exciting. That's what people can see from far away. That's what everybody wants to to try to get close to and play with and the flames and this and that. But I think I'm closer to coals right now. And Mary, in her sweet way, is that a bad thing? Can you roast a marshmallow on a gas fire? Oh, your girl likes really good marshmallow. Perfectly roasted, golden brown. You need hot coals for that. You can't do that in flames a mile high. So when I read this passage, I heard Paul saying to the Colossians, do the coal tending that you've always been doing. You know who God is. Because in context, this letter is written to the Colossians. It's a a small church, pretty insignificant compared to the other letters that Paul wrote. Paul didn't even visit this church. The Colossian church is not even mentioned in the book of Acts. No church is actually insignificant, but when you look at that sort of size and um, the impact and things like that, it it was a fairly insignificant group of believers. And what they were faced with was zealous leaders within their church who were really excited about what was going on, but who felt like there needed to be something more. They felt like, yes, this whole Christ thing is really wonderful, we believe it, but what if we added this practice? What if we added this thing that our culture has been doing and made the gospel better? And they were excited about it. And they were, they were impacting people. People were listening to them because, because there was a fire burning in them. But you cannot have actual flames if you don't have hot coals. If you don't have those hot coals, you'll never get a flame. Sure, you can stoke the fire and you can bring about flame from those. And you could pour gas. Don't worry, I learned as a kid, you never pour gas on a fire. So in that particular analogy, we're going to say that God can pour gas on your fire. I heard the stories. Don't even worry. My dad was, uh, liked excitement, but he also wanted us to be safe. So we learned how to be cautious. 
But Paul intros to the Colossians, and he tells them what is true already. That is what I love about Paul. When Paul has something to say, when Paul is going to like really give it to you because you're, you're off, you're not where you're supposed to be, Paul always reminds you of who you are, who we are already, what's already there, the image that we are already bearing of the God of the universe. So he says, we always thank God. Not we did thank God and then when you started believing this, we stopped. We always thank God when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith Because we know you have faith. You already have it. You already have that faith. And the love that you have for God's people. Sometimes loving people is not glamorous. He he goes into that, that faith, hope, and love, that triad. That's Paul's jam. Faith, hope, and love. It's all over the place. 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians. It's everywhere. Faith, hope, and love. And if there was anybody who could brag about the fire of the Holy Spirit being huge in his life, it was Paul. Paul's conversion experience, Paul's travels, the things that happened to Paul as he preached Christ, those are pretty big flames. A lot of people can see them. They're significant and powerful and and don't always last a long time, but he could have bragged all day long about those experiences. And he doesn't say one thing about that. He says faith and hope and love. And he says, you're already doing that. You're there. Holy Spirit is with you. Why are you looking for something more? I listened to Stephen's sermon about um, spiritual gifts that he preached about three weeks ago. And I loved it because um, something that, that God was convicting me of significantly as I prepped for this was that I get really, really excited about those gas fire experiences. And they're not bad. And I think the Holy Spirit, part of what, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit offers us are spiritual gifts. And they're amazing and they're beautiful. And I am not here to tell you that spiritual gifts are bad. But when we idealize the gifts, sometimes we overlook the fruit. And Paul will be the one to tell you, fruit, 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 always. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We got different translations. It's okay. Do those sound more like hot coals or raging fires? Those are what keep us moving forward and make us ready. Ready for the fires, for the gifts, for that experience when someone needs healing. For that moment when people need a word. So Paul opens up this letter to a group of people he does not know. He doesn't know them. He probably knows Epaphras, the minister. But he doesn't know the people. He hadn't visited their church. And he says, I can tell you are already doing the work. Your minister has told us of your love 
in the Spirit. We are praying for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. The Spirit gives a lot of things. And the Spirit gives a lot of gifts that are important. This is why I'm glad Stephen preached on that because they are not mutually exclusive. It's not fruit or gifts. They're both. We want both. But I am here to remind us that even Paul who experienced and Holy Spirit experiences that we might only imagine, told this church that it was knowledge and understanding of God and God's love. And that if they were living that out, they were doing all right. And we forget that sometimes. And I say that because I, I know and I've been there. Our church is small. Our church is growing. And about a year and a half ago, our church moved from North Seattle, actually in Seattle. Um, we were offered a building up about 20 minutes north. So we prayed and we discerned and we said, yes, we do feel like we we're being called to Linwood. So we moved up to Linwood into this building. And of course, Pastor Dave and myself were like, we have a building. We're going to blow up. We're going to get so big. Because we were probably at the time probably like 20 people. We have a building. We have a place. We have a big sign. We have a great website now. It's all updated. People are going to come. And they're going to come fast. They're going to come running. I will give you zero guesses as to how accurate that was. (laughs) People did not come running. People came. Wonderful people. Some of whom have stayed. Some of whom have not. And it's been an amazing journey. But in our heads, we thought, well, that's the sign, right? That's the sign that we're doing this right, is revival. Revival in Linwood. And the doors are bursting off the hinges because there are so many people. And it's taken us a year and a half. I kid you not, a year and a half to get to a place in our hearts where we've said, oh, I see what you were doing. I see that work. I see what you were preparing us for. Because at the time, we thought that the higher the flames, the bigger the fire, the more Holy Spirit was present. Holy Spirit is here. Spirit is here in this place. You know that? Here, right now, with a non-Pentecostal preaching to you. Spirit is here. Amen? When I took a class about the Holy Spirit in seminary, I had this realization. You know, like you know things, but then you have that moment where you're like, oh, and it like clicks. I had one of those about the Holy Spirit. Because I grew up, you know, very Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equal members of the Trinity. I knew all of the right doctrine. I mean, my dad was Presbyterian, so I knew all the correct answers. But we, mm-hmm, she, you know what I'm talking about, too. But we didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit, you know? 
a lot about Jesus, how Jesus saved us, and, and some about the Holy Spirit, but not a lot. And as I was taking this class, the book they were reading and then our professor kind of in combination really just like drilled down on the fact that Holy Spirit is who empowered Jesus' ministry. And I was like, yeah, I know. I knew that. And then my professor says, how many of you, in a general sense, only talk about the Holy Spirit once Pentecost happened? And the Holy Spirit came down on the church, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, that's me. I knew the Holy Spirit existed. I knew that. I knew that truth, that answer. But I hadn't given a second thought because Pentecost is so important. And I love Pentecost. I am of the mind that our celebration of Pentecost should rival Christmas and Easter. But not, you know, that's not the tradition I come from. We're working on it. But that was in my head. That was Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit was the fire coming down from it. The flame, the book we read was called Flame of Love. I wouldn't have named it that, but that's a good point. We use that fire imagery because that's in Scripture. But that flame coming down from heaven resting on the church was not the beginning of Holy Spirit's work. Jesus was tending coals all throughout his life so that at that point in time, his followers, his church would be ready for that flame of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, Paul in this passage, you can get me all excited. Paul in this passage is telling the Colossian church, he's starting out because he has something to tell them. In the book of Colossians, it's all in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over and over because that's what the people needed to be reminded of. In Christ, not in that extra activity. In Christ, not in that special diet. In Christ, not in that, that you know, unique fasting method. Whatever it was that they were trying. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And that is the presence of the Holy Spirit that we get to cling to. I say get. We, we get to cling to that hope when we are not experiencing the fire that we think we should. Because that's what happened to me in that session with my spiritual director. I was like, something is wrong with me. I don't hear him. I hear nothing. And this is not the first time. This has happened before. (laughs) And this has happened for seasons. So obviously, I have um, done something with the Holy Spirit and figured out a way to to step away or to hide or to put the Holy Spirit in a closet because I don't feel it. But I've been tending the coals. I'm not perfect, but I'd been seeking, learning, being in community, loving and allowing myself to be loved. So when God offered me that image of red hot coals and myself standing next to a fire pit may or may not have been as big as the one I grew up with, 
making sure that those coals stayed hot. Because it takes diligence. You cannot turn away. It's not about getting a break from the work or the investment. Because the minute you try to take a break, they're going to fall apart. They're going to cool off. They're going to, something's going to happen. You have to be intentional. You have to be aware. You have to be focused on what you are doing. But sometimes God shows up the way that we didn't necessarily want him to. We wanted something else. The leaders at the time were trying to teach a new spirituality. They probably loved Jesus. But they were saying, listen to us. We'll, we'll introduce you to a new spiritual fullness. It'll be more full than the one that you knew. What you learned from Epaphras, who learned from Paul, and Paul is all about Christ, what you learned from them, we can make it better for you. We can make it more exciting. We can make it more interesting. We can blow things up a little bit. The people wanted more, and so in every chapter of this book, Paul says, the fullness of Christ is ours. We don't need anything but Christ. Paul was not denying spiritual growth, not denying process, not denying spiritual gifts, not denying the experiences. But Paul was saying, This life, this Christian life, is not one big experience after another. It's not. And I think that sometimes we do a disservice when we... I say this because I've seen it happen. I've worked at church camps. And we say, this experience is your conversion experience. And that experience is Christian life. And that's not incorrect. But how do we prepare people for these times, these moments, when they are doing the right thing, but that thing looks really cool in addition to what they've learned? I worked at a church camp for several summers, and one of the themes, you know, they have a theme every summer, and one of the themes one year was fan the flame, which is awesome. That's a really cool theme. But as I was finishing up, my praying and studying, I was like, man, I wonder, I wonder what it would have done for me as a teenager to spend a week at camp where the theme was tend the coals. Tend the coals. There'll be moments to fan the flames. But how much of our Christian walk, our Christian life, this kingdom life that we live is more similar to tending coals than pouring gas on a fire. A lot of mine has been. There have been some amazing experiences. Don't get me wrong. Really amazing, powerful, life-changing experiences. But my day-to-day life, it's not as exciting as I think it seems in the Bible sometimes. We hear a lot of cool stories in the Bible. And I was, I was going to 
find the passage for you, and then I forgot. Um, but I, a couple months ago, was I, don't, I was looking up something, and I opened up my Bible to a, to a chapter that I just hadn't read much. And in the chapter, this is, I'm giving terrible context because I don't remember which book it was. Um, I wrote it down somewhere. But I just remember opening up and reading about Paul. And it was like, Paul was on a boat and did this thing and did that thing and was on a boat again. Like the whole chapter. I was like, wait a minute. I've never heard a sermon about the boring boat trips of Paul. And understandably, because there are really cool things to be learning about. But that's in there too. The walking, the eating, the sitting, the finding your way, being on a boat. Probably that was the passage right before the boat crashed, which would have been kind of an exciting thing. But before the boat crashes and everyone is saved, there has to be some kind of boring boat journey. Am I wrong? So when I read this passage, in my spirit, I heard God, our God, the God of the universe saying, it's okay that it's not exciting sometimes. You're not doing something wrong because it doesn't feel like something's bubbling up and bubbling over. It's there. It's there. I put it there. And I'm not going to just leave it. I'm not going to just let it go. I have no idea what time. I don't know how long I've been talking right now. (laughs) Thank you. Mm. I knew it. That's what spirit does. Man. The fruit, bearing fruit in every good work. That's the life that's worthy of the Lord. A life that bears fruit in every good work, day in and day out, so that we have a healthy foundation for those moments when things get stirred up. Sometimes in amazing, wonderful, spiritual gift kind of ways, Sometimes stirred up in the ways we don't necessarily want. Because that's real too. In another conversation, um, this one with my counselor, we were talking about that. I wrestle with anxiety. And she was asking me, she has me do a lot of um, sort of what, what's going on in me when I'm experiencing anxiety. So in that particular session, she said, so when you feel anxious, what does it feel like? And I said, oh, you know, I feel out of sorts, sort of not, um, yeah, like things are missing each other just completely inside of me. And she said, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? So let's think about what would the opposite of that anxiety feel like? And I said, well, what it f- I think what it would feel like, what it feels like when I am feeling peaceful is um, it feels like sort of calm water, you know, like, but in me, right? So that was sort of the picture was, was just like still water. Like I have my boat out and it's just calm. That's what I want to feel. She said, okay, so when you're anxious, it's the choppy water, right? And I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like what's going on around me and what's going on inside of me is like tossing me around. And she said, well, 
if you are on calm water, if things are going well, if you're feeling all right, you're feeling peaceful and strong and centered on Christ, what are you doing to prepare for the inevitable stormy times? Because just like tending those coals where we have to stay intentional and focused and be doing the work consistent with the work that we're doing because we want to be ready when that beautiful fire happens. When people are on a boat and they're out at sea, I am not a sailor, but I know people who sail. You have to be intentional. You have to be ready. It's not about, oh, the, if things are calm and we did all we needed to do, and so now we can just kick back. You need to be ready because, inevitably, if you're out there long enough, something's going to come up. A gust, a storm. Something is going to switch things around. So being intentional about that fruit is so that we can be ready to jump in excitedly to what God is doing and we can be ready to fight against, to speak against, to know the truth in the midst of those times when the enemy is trying to flip our boat. That's what the fruit offers us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the day in and the day out. And Paul. Paul reminds the Colossians from the very start of this letter where he's going to tell them what's up. He's going to tell them what's up later. He's going to call some stuff out. But he starts by saying, Abiding might not be glamorous, but you're doing it. I love that you have this right up on the wall. John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Abiding is not always exciting. It's not always glamorous. People don't always look at you and think you're really cool because you've been bearing fruit day in and day out? Usually they notice there's something different about you. But just like Paul wanted the church, the church in Colossae to know right from the start, before he called out anything, he wanted them to know that he had heard of their faith, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up in heaven. And that he knew that they already had that, that spirit was already there. And we get to cling to that as well. This gets to be for us as well. Like I said earlier, Holy Spirit is here. If you have accepted Christ and are living and seeking and pursuing God's will, Holy Spirit is in you. Whether or not it feels exciting at the moment. So I want to leave you with that image. The image of how fun and beautiful and exciting it would be to watch my dad light a trail of gasoline that would run all the way up and blow up a bonfire. 
It's awesome. If you've never done it, talk to someone who has and see what your options are. And the fire was good, really good for a time. But if we wanted to do much else, if we wanted to invite our friends to get close to the heat, if we wanted to get any marshmallows roasted, if we wanted to have our parents allow us to get anywhere near it, it had to be more sustainable. So let's trust the Holy Spirit is present in our lives in the day-to-day, in the mundane, in the intentional work that we are doing in Jesus' name, no matter what it feels like. Amen? Amen. How many of you would say, I want the slow and abiding presence of God in Mm. my life? Amen. 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 Erica, would you pray for us. And if that's you, if you're saying, I want to see the fruit of God, not just the gifts of God, the fruit of the Spirit in my life, would you just put your hands out Mm. like you're receiving something? And Erica, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy Spirit, you are here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have promised that you will never leave us. God, I am reminded of the image you offer in in Psalm 123 of the servant waiting on the master's hand. And that's what we do, Lord. We are waiting actively. Our eyes are on you. Our spirits are open to the way you would move. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would offer each and every person here the peace that they need. The reminder that they need of who you are in their lives, no matter what's going on around them. No matter what they are being told they should have, what things should look like, what they should add to who you are. Lord, we have all fullness in Christ. We have all fullness in Christ. We have everything that we need in Christ. Thank you for being a God of fullness and a God who needs nothing added to who you are and what you have offered us and the image that you have made us in. Holy Spirit, Make us ready. Make us ready for what's going to come our way, the good and the trying. We are here because each one of us is tending to coals. That's what brought us here this morning, Lord. That's how we made it here. Thank you that you see that. You see what we are doing, the work. You see the faith. You see the exhaustion. You see 
the effort. You see the love, the perseverance. And you say that it is good. And Lord, finally, I, I pray that you would keep us praying continually for one another. That our own tending of coals um, would include lifting up our brothers and sisters in the day in and day out. Thank you for being here, for being present. We pray all of this by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Can we give Erica a hand? Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. We're going to enter into a time of communion. Uh, and our communion time is a time to remember that work that Christ did for us and that sustains us in our day-to-day. Uh, it's, it's important, it's, it's uh, not insignificant, that when we take communion, we're actually eating and drinking uh, material bread and material juice. Everyone has to eat and drink on a regular basis if they want to sustain life. If you do not want to sustain life, stop eating and drinking and find out what happens to you. If you want to sustain life in your body, you have to eat and drink every day. And sometimes, often, it's not glamorous. Often, it's not exciting. Sometimes, you get to have some good barbecue. But sometimes, you just have bread and juice. But it's that simple act of eating every day that sustains life inside of you. So let's receive that word that Erica brought to us. Let's receive that vision that we need the abiding spirit of Christ in us every day, the day-to-day to prepare us for those gasoline fires. But we need to tend to the coals of our faith. So would you join me in prayer? I'm going to invite, Rody. would you mind running downstairs and inviting the kids to come up and join us for communion? They usually help us to pray. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray over the bread. We're going to pray over the juice. Uh, This is a congregation that has an open table policy. What that means is if you have a need in your life today, if you need the abiding presence of Christ in your life today, please come forward and take communion with us. You don't have to be a member of this church. Uh, You don't have to have gone through uh, any sort of class or anything like that. If you need Christ with you today, please don't hesitate to come forward. When it's time to come forward, please don't hesitate to come forward and take communion with us, okay? So we have an open policy in that, and all are welcome here. But it says that uh, Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it. And he said, look at this. This is, my, this is like my body. It's been broken for you. Whenever you eat it, think about me. And then he says after supper, he took a cup. And he said, this, this cup... This symbolizes the new covenant which is in my blood poured out for you. Whenever you drink it, remember me.
So whenever we eat and we drink, it doesn't even have to be here during this time of communion. Any time that you eat and drink with other believers around you, you can do it in honor, in remembrance of Christ and of what he's doing. Myson, you want to come up here, buddy? I could use your help. Can you help me pray?